0: That's right. Mama, you tell me, Oh, what's mad matter, of you? Hey!
1: Got no respect. What do you think you do? Why you look so sad? It's not so bad. It's a nice place. i shut up your face. That's my mama. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast.
0: But- bourguignon, French beef stew in red wine. We're going to serve it with braised onions and mushrooms and a wine dark sauce, a perfectly delicious dish. Oh. That's ah. so we could put in a little more tomato paste or a little more thyme. In this case, we're fortunately find it's just right. Now for the thickening of it. Now we want to get our pan hot and we're going to sauté it in this first until it's brown and then we're going to put it in this pot in which we're going to cook it in the oven. Now this is going to go in a 325 oven and it's cooked very, very slowly just at the bare simmer. And once it's in, except for checking the oven to make sure that it isn't bubbling and boiling. You don't have to look at it anymore. Then all set the soft grain out. And then we simply put the stew back into the casserole. There. You want the flavor of the onions and the beef to all blend. That's going a little too hard, so I'll put it inside. There. about two or three minutes, if you have it in the icebox, you heat it up very slowly and baste the meat with the sauce. And then then you cover it and and simmer it very slowly for about two or three minutes until everything is tender and hot through. Well, now, this is ready to serve
1: right now Hi, this is Chastity Eden and I'm your flight attendant for today's flight and you're listening to Eat It and Beat It on the Two True Freaks Network I'm waiting for you in the Mile High Club coffee, tea, or me
2: Hello and welcome to Eat It, the first part of a two-part podcast, a two-pronged podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Mr. Teeny Linguini, and I am here with my co-host
3: joey grinder oh welcome you gonna you're gonna like my meatballs they're a little sweet and a little uh, spicy yeah, his, his his cousin's johnny deeper johnny deeper very good we're all related here you know from the old country he's from the little part of the booth i'm from the hill
2: so today we are we are
3: doing italian food hey Hey. Manja, manja, manja. Now I know that we have touched on Italian food or some aspect of it in a lot of the shows we've done. I know
2: a- I've definitely talked about my grandmother's lasagna a lasagna. bunch of times.
3: We've talked about pizza and the and the uh, the blasphemy that is pineapple pizza in my book, and, uh, not in yours. But we are we are going into Italian food in general as a uh, as as uh it's it is one of the if not the most popular food in uh in the united states uh and and uh i was gonna now you uh i you know i live, I live in you know i'm in i'm in new york new york city uh, queens but i've always said that uh that you can if you don't open the only restaurants that work here are Chinese and Italian, and that, and that's about it. Takeout. If you don't have a Chinese and Italian restaurant, there are they're just not they're just not going to make it. And, and was that uh, growing up uh, with you? Was, was it was Italian food always prevalent where where Ooh.
2: you? Well, um, no, I mean. Pizza to an, for a while, Pizza Hut was the your Pizza Hut and the Fairgrounds Inn made homemade pizza, but that was about it. Pizza delivery wasn't really a thing in my town, for for, till I was in high school, and Italian food. There was one Italian restaurant you had to go down. I cannot for the life of me. I've been racking and racking my brains. And like and my father would remember if he was alive but uh because um, that's usually who I would go I would go to it with my father sometimes my mother would go I don't know if she didn't like Italian food but we would mostly go there with my father and sometimes my sister would come and it was the most like lonely place it was almost had a generic party house look to it and I have a feeling it had a bar in it, and I have a feeling that was what supported the place at night. It, there was probably there were probably a lot of cars there. But when we would go there, we would more than often be the only table in there. And uh, I would always get manicotti. Manicotti was just I just loved that shit. It's very similar yeah. to uh, not very far from from uh, lasagna. So uh, and right. and my sister would always get spaghetti. But just very lame, you know country white people that that was italian food with spaghetti and lasagna and, and, and pasta base and and so i i really like didn't have much of a like you know sauce sauce to me was out of a can was ragu out of a can and uh i and plus on top of that my not being a big seafood eater that sort of I, makes me feel bad about Italian food, because a good amount of real Italian food is seafood-based and has seafood in it. But when I came to Rochester, Rochester has a
1: huge,
2: mungus Italian population. Gigundus. So, we have good pizza here. Like, at uh, Italian restaurants... There's good Italian restaurants here. They're mostly on the pricey side, and there's a couple like you know cheaper lunch-based ones that are that are more affordable. Uh, a a lot of the mainstay like big popular Italian places have have gone since. There was a place on Monroe Avenue called Mama Taconi's that I used to eat at every once in a while. They were they had. Everybody loved their pizza, but I would go there, you know, to just get, you know, some, some pasta every once in a while, and it was always really good, and, uh, uh, there was Mama Leone's, which is now a bar down the street from us, it's been a British pub for, like, the last 20 years, and then, then, the king of Italian food in Rochester was Mario's, and Mario's was on East Avenue, where our Wegmans is,
0: and oh, I meant that. Uh,
2: and Mario's was just like you know everybody was just like yeah, it's a and you know the ads were always on the radio like, Mario's you're not just my customer you're my personal friend you know that sort of thing, and uh, Mario's got so popular that he built this gigantic complex type place in the suburbs and closed down Mario's and moved it all into Mario's via Abruzzi, where he brought a chef over from Abruzzi to to design all the, you know, and it was going to be really fancy, and then it turned out being more middle of the road, and it was so huge, it just had a sort of, it lost personality, you know, it was like a big banquet place and now it's closed down because Mario has decided to put a Whole Foods
3: (laughs) in there Mario is no idiot so like I think
2: like the Italian population like like, I'm sure there's good Italian restaurants where they go you know hey mama we go out to dinner but for the most part like like the most Italian-y Italian food place you're gonna get and get the best stuff at in Rochester is uh, our delis. Delis. And there, there are Italian delis peppered everywhere, and a and some of them are most most of them are very good, and some of them are really
1: really good.
2: You know, you go and get some sub sandwiches there that are just amazing. You know, they they'll have their own butcher shop.
3: Well, that's one of the things that that has fascinated me about Italian food in the United States is that every family, and you know, we brought this up uh, speaking about your lasagna. It doesn't matter what part of the world you come from; it seems that every family has one Italian dish that they like to make. You know, it could just be a simple pasta, and even if it has, you know, jarred sauce or or something. Uh, you know, my my wife is from Michigan and their Italian dish is they make lasagna. It is a cuisine that that everybody can pick up on and that everybody has a favorite. But if, and if you,
2: you can also regionally adapt a yeah, lasagna
3: and, re, and and that's an important point. Uh, it wasn't always so. Uh, Italian food in the United States gained popularity, of course, with the mass immigration of uh, Italians that immigrated to the country. And when they got here, they found that they could make some of their food, but the ingredients to make true, 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 hardcore Italian food just weren't available in the United States you know at at that time Uh, semolina flour uh really good san marzano tomatoes parmesan cheese i mean we're talking you know 100 uh, 150 years ago uh so what they did was they adapted their italian cuisine to what they had available in the united states and that is why there is such when an italian comes to to the us and eats at not a fancy italian restaurant but you know a run of the mill italian restaurant the food to them it, it they will say well this isn't really italian food but it's our italian food it's
1: right.
3: it's not unlike chinese food that right. it has been you know evolved to the taste of Americans, because yeah. you couldn't get all of the ingredients. You couldn't get the fancy cheeses that, that these folks came in, and 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 you know they had the stigma of being, you know, oh, garlic eaters. And but true Italians, if you go to Italy, they don't use as much garlic as as we use in in the states, and that's because garlic was something that wasn't really widely used up until you know a hundred a hundred years ago or so and and the Italians they they took to it here in this country because they were missing a lot of their ingredients that they couldn't find and it wasn't until the 1990s or maybe the 80s when you started to get an influx of these Italian restaurants that you had mentioned pricey where you could get food that was Authentically Italian from different regions of Italy, and there are so many different regions and so many different foods. Uh, there, there is a show on YouTube that I'm kind of hooked on. It's called The Pasta Grannies, and each one is about ten minutes. And it's a uh, she. It's I think she's Australian. She goes all over Italy and, and finds the oldest Italian ladies, and films them making pasta. And every village had a different pasta and she's capturing all of these different pastas before these ladies you know you know uh die out and these recipes are lost but we are our our food our italian food here it it's very different from from what they eat in in italy yeah but i'm, it's, I'm it's,
2: just it's, thinking of my last roommate who would who was eight would always eat I think the most prevalent, like say, college student slash you know Americanized Italian meal, which is white bread with butter and garlic powder or you know granulated uh, uh, garlic on it, toasted in the toaster, spaghetti, a uh, 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 basically a big wad ball of spaghetti with with ragu sauce, and then uh, wadded up on a plate with just. A, a crusting coating of out of a, out of a jar, grated half, you know, the American half Parmesan cheese, half sawdust yeah. <laughs> blend, <laughs> and flour blend that we use, you know, and then just like drop down in the stomach just to fill in the void. That I, I always think that's the most American, like, I'm eating Italian tonight, you know, the wad of spaghetti that's too big because the college student looks at it and goes like, "I need more spaghetti than that." That doesn't oh. seem like much spaghetti, yeah. and then they don't—they don't figure the the whole swell factor.
3: The, the best Italian food, if you're going to stay away from uh, your pricey, uh, shishi restaurants, is you're going to find at homes of of Italians, real Italians, where where you're going to. Where they're gonna make like let like my friends uh, Sundays are a big thing. They make Sunday gravy, which is it's it's a meat sauce, but it, but it has every type of it has rolled beef, it has sausage, it has celery, carrots, onions, beautiful San Marzano tomatoes, and if you have never had a San Marisano it Mar- sounds
2: almost like Brunswick stew.
3: Yeah, a San Marzano tomato. You'll find them on the bottom shelf of any supermarket. They're a little pricier, and but they are delicious. And and to make a good gravy, you start early in the morning, and you cook all these different meats in this sauce, and you let it cook and you let it cook all day, and then the meat is taken out, and served as a second as a as a, a separate course. So, you get this incredibly rich sauce that you put on your pasta. And then, after you finish that, out comes the meat that was cooking in the sauce, which right. it, it could be ribs, it could be rolled beef, it could be sausage, it could be uh, pork. It, it was everything. And that's what you would eat. And you would have a semolina bread and, and, uh, and it was just, it's incredible. If you, if, I mean, we belong to a club. I, I don't know if I've mentioned the uh, the Fratalanza Club before. No. Yes. But we we knew when I was in the grocery business, the guy that delivered the Italian bread was a member of this Fratellanza Club. And you could only, it was once a month they would have a dinner. And no women were allowed at the dinner the women were in the kitchen cooking, and so you would have this big hall with nothing but Italians, and you would walk in there and and you would go to the table, and you would have uh, you would have lunch, you'd have lunch meat you know salami, uh, provolone bread cheese you'd start off with that, then they'd bring you a salad, and then they would bring you this huge steaming bowls of risotto, which if you've never had real risotto made with Alboreo rice stock parmesan oh, it's it's heaven and then that wasn't it then they'd bring out the main course which could be ravioli or, or a roasted chicken and then after that was done they would bring out uh, a dessert of some kind and then they would bring out a bottle started at one end of the table and everyone would have a little shot of uh of brandy or whatever we were having that night. And then they would call the ladies out and everyone would clap and say, Oh, great job. Great job. Great job. But the best part about it was you'd buy this ticket and the bartender, he was at least 90 years old and he had the shakes. Oh God. So we would all, there was one young guy and one bartender that had the shakes. So me and So were
2: you all doing James Bond
3: lines? Well, there were, there were two lines. (laughs) <laughs> and so the bartender with the shakes, Tony, we would all be in his line and the other guy would be, Oh, Hey, uh, come on over here. I'll take care of you. We'd go, no, 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 Tony and I go way back. You know, you'd ask for a, uh, hey, Tony, let me have a seven and seven heavy on the seven. And Tony would pick up the bottle and he'd have the shakes. I don't know if it was Parkinson's or whatever. So he would make this big, huge splash of, 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 uh, Seagram seven and a, and a little splash of seven up. And, uh, and, and so it, it, those were good times, and it was just good, good, good food. And, man, there's nothing like uh, a delicious Italian food. And, and I still like to hear about that, uh, you know, your grandmother's lasagna. It, it must have been something. And I hope that you have the recipe for that somewhere so that you can recreate that. I, it, can,
2: uh, I can pretty much recreate it. There, there's two different versions there's there's cooked noodles and then there's cook the noodles in the in the oven version when she got older and she was just like screw it i found out this i could do it that's, this way and it's faster
3: except we may have mentioned that before there is nothing wrong i they no, i think it's I actually better yeah they, they
2: soak up flavor they soak up like tomato flavor and stuff it's nice and, but you know, there's a there's also a textural thing about when you cook the noodles too and put them in, you get a little more dried, nice dry, gnarly areas, which I like. Oh,
3: oh yeah. I mean, it's it's all about and and I would recommend everybody that, that makes a that makes a lasagna or or any type of uh, cheese dish, pizza. Try and get yourself some fresh mozzarella cheese.
2: See, I didn't even know about that till I was an adult.
3: Yeah, fresh mozzarella cheese. If it's true mozzarella cheese, it's made with a, with a with, but they, it's a buffalo milk. It's a cow, but it, but they call it a, a a buffalo milk. But it's a little harder to find. It's expensive, but if you ever find it, most grocery stores now you can find fresh mozzarella. And if you make a pizza with fresh mozzarella, and you can you, it's you dry it out a little bit because it's wet. But my God, what a difference! Yeah, in the stuff that you get. I mean, if you want to really cook flavor, <laughs> you know, yeah, if you want to cook hardcore Italian, you're going to have to do your homework. You're going to have to go to where the Italian folks go to buy their their stuff. I mean, they don't they don't make they don't buy the breadcrumbs that are in the uh, in. In the the, uh, the grocery store, already made. They make their own. It's it's a culture of we don't waste anything, like so many other uh, European cultures are. Nothing goes to waste. From at being
2: all. a poor immigrant.
3: <laughs> oh my God! I mean, I've had lardo. Have you ever heard of lardo or had lardo? No. Well, it is the fat of a pig that has been cured. Okay, and. You slice it incredibly thinly, very thinly on a piece of really crusty bread. I mean, yeah, it's a heart attack. It's a heart attack. But, my God, it is so, so delicious. And it's tough to find. Uh, You're going to have a hard time finding it. But if you ever do get a chance to find it, search these things out. Because they are true Italian food and and i love a culture that loves to eat to me that that to me is family and food and italian food is is you know definitely it i mean as far as, as for you if uh, if you're going to have an italian meal what what's it going to be
2: me it's going to be lasagna stuffed shells um i love stuffed shells
3: Oh yeah! I,
2: I, I like making uh, stuffed shells with with spinach in them. I like to make them with broccoli in them. I like cut the I like cook the broccoli and cut it really finely. Same with the spinach.
3: You're using yeah. Everyone that you're using lasagna, Italian food as a template, and and that's the good thing about it. You can make it your own. Yeah. Uh, my wife makes a lasagna, and I'm a big fan of ricotta cheese. I love ricotta cheese. I, I but it was hard to find. It's another one of these things, that unless you made it yourself, y- you wouldn't be able to find ricotta cheese when you first came to this country, unless you lived in an Italian neighborhood. But you could find cottage cheese, which is not ricotta by any means. But in a pinch, even though they can find ricotta, my wife puts cottage cheese in her lasagna, and it isn't half bad. I mean, I, it's...
2: I sometimes yeah. cut cottage cheese in with the ricotta.
3: Oh yeah, I it's... like
2: I like the just having a little a little larger texture in there, you know.
3: Oh no, it's nothing wrong with it. I it's it's it has become to an Italian to taste American uh, Italian food. They may say, "Well, listen, Italian food," and you know what? It to some extent it isn't, but it it is. It is our Italian food. It is, is what we morphed it into out of necessity because you couldn't find the stuff. And and But the 90s brought on uh, an era of true where you can go out to restaurants and have stuff that is as authentic as you're going to find. I can now go to neighborhoods here, not too far, where I can buy little packs of squid ink and and uh, and that's what it is it's just black squid ink it comes in the little pack like like ketchup and when you make a risotto you can put a few drops of this black squid ink now you, you know you're thinking okay seafood i wouldn't like it it doesn't have a seafood taste it basically doesn't really It's
2: have... basically just a dye
3: yeah it's basically just a dye and it has some flavor but it's not a seafood flavor but it it is delicious. You can go to, I bet you can go to Wagman's and you could probably find any kind of Italian cheese that you want now.
2: Oh yes.
3: Whereas, little as as twenty years ago, you, all you would find is is the the sawdust in the uh, in the, uh, the maybe
2: the... in Wegmans you would, but I'm sure you could find little places twenty years ago here where twenty years ago here. Uh, Kodak, well, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, maybe not so much 20 years ago, but, uh, Kodak was booming, you know, and, uh, so, and with a large Italian population, I would have to imagine that, like, the 80s, when I wasn't here, was probably a golden age for Italian food here. You could probably get everything, you know?
3: Oh, Yeah. I mean without easily 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 and you can still search these things out they're out there and if uh, if you're interested in it and and you have the time and you have the desire and like I was saying anybody can cook if you have a cookbook try and make something hardcore uh, you know garlic bread a quick recipe that I do with garlic bread, and it's not even Italian, it's an Americanized version, but man, everyone goes crazy. Half butter, half mayonnaise, olive oil, garlic, a little bit of pepper, a little bit of salt, um, and a little bit of oregano, and then some Parmesan cheese. Blend that stuff up into a spread, put it on a nice piece of uh, of good bread, throw it in the oven, and people will go nuts. It
2: uh, sounds really good. <laughs> I'll
3: make it next time I come. I, I get asked to make it all the time, and a Brazilian guy taught it to me. And it, there's nothing Italian about it, but it is delicious, and you know it's one of my one of my favorite favorite cuisines is uh, is, is Italian. And, and and I'm glad that you can go out and you know even I'm sure in Rochester if we did some some scouting around we could easily find some great places to eat where you could where you could taste uh
2: oh oh yeah for sure
3: and and uh with, with that i I'm gonna of course you're gonna find this very very hard to believe but uh, I was
2: just wondering that I was like would herder have an italian
3: recipe this is this is going to be an interesting one uh it's time for the herder corner george leonard herner and the uh bull uh cook and authentic historic recipes and practices you know believe it or not he has a little bit to say about italian food and uh and uh, i'm going to uh i made you know we usually make drinks but but today i took the uh liberty of making a very quick little recipe and I said, how am I going to keep this hot? Well, the Yeti cup, I found out, not only keeps your drinks cold, it keeps your food hot. So it's amazing. So we have it. But, I'm, uh, you know, Herder being an expert on everything, uh, I'll let you know a little bit of what he has to say about Italian cooking, if I may. Now, Italian cooking is one of the most misunderstood types of cooking in the world. To understand Italian cooking, you must take out all recipes – that have tomato sauce as a base, as these are American Indian in origin. The tomato has only recently been used in Italy. Of course, this book is you know old, but but this is what he thinks, and it is native to the Americans. As is cornmeal, again you must leave that out, and uh, that's another Indian uh, food. Green and red bell peppers are strictly American Indian. And, and for some reason, he seems to think there's there's a lot of radishes in, in um, Italian cooking that I've never... Okay. Said <laughs> he says those are Chinese. And he says, take out the eggplant because those came from India. So I guess uh, Italians didn't really have anything before the New World. <laughs> nothing. They were eating sawdust. Now, in southern Italy, it's the reason of olive oil, garlic noodles, and... American Indian cooking, as he calls it, because they we took they took everything from us. Now in northern Italy, they use less olive oil, little garlic, and more rice than noodles, and less American Indian type of cooking. Which is funny because he's calling everything American Indian type of cooking, uh, and he's saying you know remember Italians had to come over to the Americas and immigrate back to Italy before they even learned how to make a tomato sauce for their noodles and and that is that is uh, pretty much true because uh, the tomato was not was not in the in the uh, old world and and he says that you couldn't get gnocchi because there were no there were no uh, potatoes and there wasn't even pasta now we all know that pasta came from Marco Polo and 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 the uh, and the Chinese but I have to give you the recipe that he gave me or gave us of a true, true Italian pasta. Okay? Now, this is the original European spaghetti and tomato sauce. Okay? Uh, now, there, as I mentioned before, there is no there was no tomato sauce until it came over from the New World and uh, the Germans were the experts at making noodles. So, the Italians didn't have shit, I guess, according to Herder. But, here's what I did. This now this is this is the the best pasta sauce you're ever gonna have in your life. Okay? Melt one level tablespoon of good lard in a frying pan, add one fourth cup of water, add one six ounce can of tomato paste and no more, one fourth level teaspoon of crumbled oregano, two bay leaves, one clove of garlic, one level teaspoon of powdered garlic One inch square of onion, which I just chopped up some onions. I didn't know what he meant. You could use powdered onions. Then he threw in one-fourth level teaspoon of nutmeg, one-fourth level teaspoon of black pepper, one-fourth level teaspoon of salt, and one-fourth level teaspoon of horseradish mustard. Ooh. Yes. Stir well until all ingredients are mixed together and then you're going to take a pound of good quality hamburger crumble it up put it in the pan stir it with the sauce until it breaks up into tiny pieces
2: so it's almost like meat sauce
3: as soon as the meat is done remove it and put it over the cooked pasta now remember in cooking spaghetti don't overcook it boil the The spaghetti in water to which at least one level teaspoon of celery salt. Not ordinary table salt is added until it's tender. Drain and blanch. Run the pasta through cold water for about five seconds to slightly harden it. And if you like mushrooms, throw some mushrooms into the mix. And he says, if you like cheese on your pasta, don't put Parmesan cheese. Use grated Swiss. Oh. Swiss really adds a great flavor and this pasta sauce contains no olive oil that when cooked gives off an object uh, a, a uh, objectable taste and odor I don't know what, what he's about. yeah, 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 yeah. hey he knows what he's talking about and it contains no anchovies our anchovies are fine in certain salads and spreads and sandwiches but in pasta sauce They mix about as well as General Grant at a picnic in Richmond, Virginia.
1: Oh,
2: man.
3: This sauce is so good you can put it on a plain piece of bread and make a memorable meal. Well, that's what I did this afternoon. I have the Yeti cup here. And I have... It's still warm. I have the pasta. Let me just do a little... Pasta twirl here. What what was interesting about this to me was the um, mustard with the horseradish. So let's see here.
2: It sounds very much like a non-spicy hot sauce, or like a, a, or close to even like a Cincinnati chili sort of, with a little, little sloppy Joe without like the sort of yeah,
3: that's a good that's a good way to put it there's no olive oil it's but the um, but the uh, the grease from the hamburger mixed up with there and and makes it and made it a little bit um, saucy Uh, it's got the the mustard horseradish you can only get just a hint I, I don't really taste the mustard but it finishes up with just a hint of that horseradish which, which is pretty good I mean okay I'm I'm probably not gonna make this for a bunch of people but you know this is according to herger this is this is this is as hardcore as you can get and anyone that thinks that olive oil stinks when you cook it is you have to listen to them but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not it's not bad at all it, 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 it it's it's no, it's not as good as the drinks that I have made from oh him. Oh my
2: God! One of my favorite smells oh. in the world is olive oil hitting a hot pan.
3: Olive oil and garlic and onions cooking in a hot pan.
2: Oh jeez. But
3: what an what an, and I don't I I don't taste the celery salt that I added to boil the pasta in, but it you know it, I think he's right. If I was to spread this on some crusty bread. I think that that would be that that would be pretty good, or maybe even make a make it thicker and make a meatball out of this. Oh then, yeah. yeah, that that would probably be very good. Uh, but kudos, you know, an- another good recipe from Mister Herder. Uh, not the best one in in my book, but definitely not the worst one I haven't had anything that I've hated from him well, yet
2: luckily he's not alive to hear this podcast
3: <laughs> so we're good <laughs> yeah, yeah but anyone that says olive oil well he was from Minnesota where you probably didn't get a lot of olive oil maybe you got moose oil or whatever the hell they used to cook out there but that's Herder's uh, that uh, Italian, uh, Italian pasta true oh, used
2: straight up lamp oil in, in Minnesota <laughs>
3: absolutely definitely lamp oil or or uh, or what, what are the fish they catch over there on the frozen lakes out, out there uh, perch or, or something quite right, right.
2: you
3: know who knows moose oil or whatever they use in <laughs> so, I mean these are people that eat lutefisk which is it is codfish preserved in lye which I've had the pleasure of eating and it's just jelly imagine a fish jello with uh, a
2: oh yeah so the lye sort of like it's like, Loan, it's like yeah. super cooked ceviche or something oh
3: you can't even it looks like it looks like jello and it's it's cod but it's yeah because uh,
2: it's and, how you d- dispose yeah. of a body
3: and you have to pour loads of butter over it loads of butter but but they love it over there they pre-digested just, <laughs> you just don't love olive oil and, and so there's our our, our take on Italian food I hope that we've uh, given you some ideas and a little history of uh, Italian food in in the United States and I, I don't I, I don't know about you but I'm but I'm smelling something coming from the uh, the, the the green room It it, it smells almost like like uh, like ragu and splooge. It
2: definitely it's definitely yeah. Italian, but it's like yeah. it's not just Italian food. There's some like Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. And for the reason I, I can almost like like sniff a pierogi too. I don't understand what's going on in there. Uh but 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 I but I, but I guess it's time to uh to introduce the next segment of our of of our show today, which which uh which on paper I've been reading. I I think it's gonna be a very interesting choice.
2: Uh, also, I think in a podcast we have the first podcast to have used the phrase "sniff a pierogi."
3: Sniff a pierogi. I'm, yeah, I'm getting splooge smell pierogi and a little bit of uh prago. <laughs> <laughs> but not but, prego. Uh, just, just, just do me a favor. Buy some uh, air, some airwick air fresheners uh, after the show, so we can get the green room uh, smelling a little bit better back, after this.
2: Back to back, back on point. <laughs> God point. <coughs>
3: so uh, a rividerchi for the for the time being.
2: Yeah, we'll be hey we'll be right back. Yeah. Banja
1: Hey folks, it's me, Maury Clawhammer! Are you sick of waiting around all day for your Italian food? Did you know the average red sauce takes 12 hours to 2 days to prepare? Who has time for that? That's why I opened my own super fast service Italian restaurant. Mange. Come on in. If you don't have piping hot Italian food in your pie hole within 7 minutes, it's on the house. I have hired one of the finest and very real and well-known, in Italy, Italian chefs, Mr. Mario Luigi. It's me, Mario Luigi. Chef Mario has crafted his own pastas, including hand-formed tiny pasta loops, a sort of spaghetti zero shape, served in his signature orange tomato sauce, with or without tiny meatballs you'll shout, boy oh boy are these great meatballs. Within five minutes of ordering, you will hear the distinctive main jam beep coming from our kitchen that says, hot Italian food on the way. Also, try our unlimited salad and endless croutons. We will bring you a whole head of iceberg lettuce with a hole punched in it and filled with blue cheese dressing. And we keep them coming till you say stop. So give Grandma a break this Sunday and Carter down here to get a good taste of some real Italian cooking. We're down here on Lead Mine Junction Road, right next to the scrapyard. 15% off if you're in the Mafia. We got gumballs for the kids. Sayo!
0: Hello,
2: and welcome to Beat It. The second half of a two part podcast about food and porn. This is the porn part, and we are back in Italy. Um, my name is uh, Charles Chubby. I'm here with my
3: partner, Phil Lacio. <laughs> I do a lot of mouth work, voice work mostly, <laughs> but uh, it comes in handy when we talk about our well, we, we're or it after... comes in mouthy or mouthy. Yeah, people always said I was mouthy. But we are actually, this month, we are going back to our roots. Literally, our dark brown roots. Literally, uh, we've we've been experimenting a lot lately on the show, but we are going back old school. And for old school and interesting topics, I I always like to let you pick who we are going to uh, discuss. And you threw out the name of, uh, Cicciolina. Cicciolina. Cicciolina, which roughly translates in Italian to little chubby. Uh, it's, it also can mean little chubby in the sense that, uh, oh, she's, 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 she's pinchable. She's, she's adorable. I, I'm sure it was
2: like a little, she was a little pudgy little baby.
3: Yes, and it, and it actually, it it became part of the vernacular, uh, Chicholina is busty, so for example, it's sort of like Gordita, yes, 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 except you can't get her a Taco Bell. But you could see her and you could say, Oh my god, look at that Chicholina, which is a girl, that it's a little pinchy and a little busty and a little, and a little, uh, you know, heavy top heavy. But, uh, how and why did you uh pick uh, Chicholina?
2: Well, I think we ended up before the show talking about this is since we're, you know, roughly we're around in, in the time there's a, you know, there's, she sort of had a 10, 9, 10, 12 year spread of of where where she was at the height of her popularity, which overlapped into our childhood. So I would see things about her, like news items about her and stuff, and it it's always was fascinating to me because the news items you would see about her in america was um italy elected a porn star to parliament and yeah. uh like and 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 uh, I'll, I'll, in my mind and uh it was funny i was talking to scott mcgregor about it or it might have been or mike cross it might, one of the two of them we were talking about you know remembering hearing about the news of it and we always remembered her as like becoming president of Italy, <laughs> you know, prime minister of Italy, which is not what happened. She got into parliament.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, you it know, was...
2: sort of a minor politician, but still, got to like. So we were like, you know, nowadays, you know, it's not too far fetched of a concept, but in the in the late seventies to mid eighties, you know, a porn star being a member of a country's parliament was pretty. Uh, Pretty, just seemed pretty amazing and strange and yeah. and very very european to me and and i was always i, I always just sort of stuck a pin in titula and was like you know i i when i was a kid i never saw pictures of i never saw any of her her her, her pornography there was sort of a stock picture of her where she was just sort of dressed up she she often is sort of dressed up like a fairy princess you know or like a medieval you know lady-in-waiting or something lots of flowers and and, yes and and flowers in her hair and and fluffery things and veils and and stuff like that and very blonde sort of sort of uh not what you would expect of a of a like a, a just Italian girl, Italian porn star, yeah. I pictured raven,
3: black hair. Exactly, yeah. and, and, and you know, Italy, what what kind of a country would actually elect somebody uh, a TV personality with no political experience to be in the government, it's just absurd, I can't think of anything else any other country that could possibly ever do that, it's just ridiculous I mean, come on my goodness but that being said, the movie that we decided to uh, to look at was Cicciolina, Amore Mio, which roughly translates to Cicciolina, my love. And it was done in 1979, but let's, let, let's, uh, let's go way back a little bit uh, further and learn a little bit about Cicciolina, who, shocker, was not actually born in Italy. She was born Iona Stoller and she was born November 26, 1951. Now, of course, she is now known by her stage name, Cicciolina, but she is Hungarian, and she is an Italian porn star, politician, and singer. Now, Ticciolina was born in Budapest, Hungary, and uh, her father left the family when she was young, and she was raised by her mother, who was a midwife, and her stepfather, who was an official in the Hungarian Ministry of Interior. Now, in 64, she began working as a model for the Hungarian news agency, and uh, she claims in an interview done in 1999 that she had provided the the Hungarian authorities with information on American diplomats by staying at Budapest Luxury Hotels, where she worked, and actually taking pictures of their uh, secret documents, which uh, which shows that she she is a uh, a renaissance woman in in every way shape and form, and to be born you know a
2: little know, to, bit of Madahari thrown in.
3: Yes, yes, and to be born in that part of of the world. Uh, it you know it's it, it was difficult. Hungary uh, is
2: known for some uh, sketchy politics. I'll just yes, put it
3: that it, way. They are and it, it it could it could have very well been true. She is you know, she is very 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 attractive, and uh, she started off she started off uh, she was actually um, the first she she recent she went to Italy. Uh, with, a, with a photographer uh, friend of hers and she just never went back uh, to Hungary uh, to, I'm sorry to Budapest she never went back and uh, that's where she began her, her career and and she was actually the first credited as being the first woman to expose a breast on TV in Italy which is an incredibly Catholic country so, but she just didn't care and she did her own thing. And you're right, she had a specific look, which is waif like, I would say, you know, muse like with feathers in her hair. And, fairy, uh, fairy princess. Fairy princess. And, and when I was watching her movies, I was surprised at how, um, it really, it really, it was, re- it was very softcore for, for, uh,
2: yeah. So this was sort for, of her. Like, there was a time where there was, like, Linda Lovelace for President. I think yes. Xavier Hollander made a, an R-rated, you know, a softcore R-rated movie that was sort of a documentary of her life. I have to admit, I couldn't watch an awful lot of this because it was just, like, I wanted to see the hardcore stuff. <laughs> oh. yeah. So I sort of I sort of flipped through it and then went right to, like, her loops
3: but yeah, if you if you if you watched it you'd say aw, well she's sweet she makes kind of kind of and you know she she made this particular movie she always carried around the dirty stuff animal uh-huh. she had that was a that was going around in all of the uh, in all of this this movie that was kind of a uh, of a thing that what, what is it about it, italians and and movie making uh it, would you say that when you when you watched this movie that it was definitely Italian in its I mean I you know I've seen Fellini and stuff would you say that there was a certain uh it, yes. Italian that they just make things movies differently that they try to be a little artsier than, than the
2: Well there, well for one there's a different attitudes towards sex and sexuality so like an American softcore movie has a sleaze out, and, and it's funny because but Italy has its own sleaze too but it's not like a guilty sleaze like Americans have. And like, Chitulina is not like a sleazy, she's just like, I like sex and I'm, you know, and with a vague, you know, sort of empowerment philosophy attached to it. So I'm sure when they sat down to make this movie, it was going to be this, you know, it's basically, she's a marketer, she's a self-marketer and this movie was the like the documentary puff piece and it's got a little whiff of the the mondo you know movies which it, italy has produced quite a few of and but it's but it's not there it's not a, it's not to shock you know it's not made to shock it's it's just sort of a, 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 a very um, t- tasteful for the most, you know, relatively tasteful. Oh, yeah. Piece of of uh, self promotion,
3: and then you know you think, oh well, this, this is pleasant, and then you start looking at some of her clips, and she's getting peed on by three men. Right. So, <laughs> so so she so she definitely moved on to different uh to different types of movies after this. I mean. Cicciolina basically uh, sounds you know, like something you would order at the Olive Garden that comes with never-ending soup and breadsticks. Uh, so it's a great name, and, and it carries a lot of weight in, in Italy. It, she, in the whole movie, if you're going to go through the, uh, the plot, if there really is one, um, she has a radio show, and a young photographer becomes obsessed with her just obsessed and he has to find her and he has to you, you think that they're going to have sex but it, it he finally you know tracks her down in her dirty stuffed animal and her girlfriend is incredibly jealous and then it, it goes on to scenes of of she, she's riding around on a scooter i believe and stopping the entire you know city of rome and everyone's yelling, oh, Chicholina, Chicholina! And even the guy that's pumping the gas in, into her into her scooter is is pumping the gas into the gas tank, and he's going crazy over her. She doesn't she doesn't say much uh, in the whole movie, but to, to make a long story short, her she helps this photographer that is in love with her uh, rekindle a relationship with his girlfriend. Uh, but that's it's kind of it, like amelie yeah that's that that that's the, the the you know the the first part of the movie and it definitely is is soft porn and they get into some weird stuff she's at one point you know sitting in a large hamster ball rolling around she
2: i she, missed that part
3: you <laughs> missed that part <laughs> she, she sing she's also a singer and I and I think that she may have uh, sung. I, I think a lot of the uh, a lot of the audio was dubbed in this. Uh, there are some spread eagle shots, which are about as uh, as uh, spread eaglish as you're gonna get. But it's really really soft core. I, I didn't get into the movies where the uh, three guys were. We're peeing on her, but if you want to, you can just go ahead and look up uh, Titulina and the horse. Google it. Google it and see what happens. You'll uh, you you'll, you'll find a lot of stuff that, uh, that that's going to be that pretty will, that, that, that will thrill and uh, that, that will let you know that she that she did move on from this soft core.
2: It will also thrill and titillate your web providers. <laughs>
3: Now, but but what uh, I was most interested in is that uh, not only did she find fame in her porn films, but she was actually elected to the Italian Parliament for a four-year term. And she was known mostly for delivering her campaign speeches topless. (laughs) And uh, after taking office, she continued to make hardcore, uh, you know, Pornos, and she was still in Parliament at the time. And in Italy being uh, this incredibly Catholic country, you can imagine how how certain parts of the uh, of the country just didn't know what what to do about her. But and know, then
2: other parts really did know what to do about
3: oh, her, they, or or what they wanted to do with right? her but but she's a very very interesting an interesting uh, character and uh, she actually was was known for uh, some of the things that she did while she was in Parliament was uh, she she got up uh, during the first Gulf War in 1990 after Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait and Italy uh, she debated over joining the coalition to to force, you know, the uh, to expel the Iraqis. But what chitilini offered to do was she offered to go ahead and have sex with Saddam Hussein if he would just bring peace to the region. Uh, she repeated her offer again in 2002 as the second Gulf War was beginning. And later extended it to include sex with Osama bin Laden as well. So, I mean, she definitely did her her uh, her her bit for peace, you know.
2: I actually I actually think that's kind of a a brilliant and so crazy it might work type yeah. of scheme. Although not and not not at all to diminish how interesting her life is but i think in my mind i made her a lot more like intelligent and like um with an ideal ideology than she actually not that she doesn't have an ideology but like when she would run for parliament she was switching from the libertarian it seemed to be whatever her like current boyfriend would usually sort of be the svengali of whatever political thing she was doing and I'm, you know, and I'm sure, like, it was influenced by her philosophy because she wasn't dating, like, say, a fascist guy, you know, and, like, I'm going to join the fascist party, you know, whatever. She, was, she It was more sort of, well, you know, libertarian, more, you know, sexual yeah, freedom she... and stuff. That was her, her thing to do. And But, I mean, when it really comes down to, like, what her thing is is she's a master marketer yeah and even even i think her being in parliament i think she might have been like i could do some good things while in here but it was just all part of the marketing of chichilina and it worked on me you know it was like a parliament blah, blah blah but when you go to her she's got a website now like to this day it's a Cicciolinaonline.it, C-I-C-C-I-O-L-I-N-A, online.it. And uh, I don't um, speak Italian, although DiManzo really would like me to, um, but he's going to have to pay me to learn. But I could definitely definitely read marketing (laughs) on her website, and her website was like, Here's here's videos uh here's here's her new perfume a fragrance that she's come up with you know so she's 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 marketed her name and her face
3: and uh, I could and, almost see a little bit of uh Stormy uh Stormy Daniels in in yeah,
2: she's, well she's Stormy Daniels maybe in a different in in a more European context so she's not you know Stormy Daniels has a more whether it's real or the public perception of her, a a seedier perception of it. And that's because of, you know, I think America's way more uptight about sex than Europe is, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not that, not, not, and, and but as far as, like, European, like, and this is me just talking out my ass right now. You would know more about this, at least marginally, just because you travel more and meet meet people from around the world as flight attendants but um you know like if i was to think of where the most sexually liberated parts of europe were or whatever or the world where i would think like scandinavia and stuff like europe generally being more sexually open than america is but then again you also have a lot of like old world religion stuff there too so you also have so like some of the people who are like repressed and old-timey are even more old-timey they have a lot more old-timey to go back in time in, <laughs> in oh. Europe than we do in the United States so there's there's that like you know like the catholic aspect of Italy but i i would think you know the strong catholicness of Italy would make it one of the least like um Se- sexually free places although they would just be generally head and shoulders more sexually free than the, you know the United States or, or Britain or Canada or something like that
3: well you were know, more Puritan her whole political career came about um, it's 1987 and there was a political party that was just uh, starting up known as the radical party and they thought, well, you know, we're nobody, but let's just step in and try and make an honest woman of her. Now, titulina was was pretty much a child of the 60s, and uh, it, it seemed like it would be she would be someone perfect, you know, to, uh, to the Communist Party by this time was was dead. And and they wanted to, to start up this this party and and kind of get away from the vice like grip that the Catholic Church had on the country. Uh, So, they went ahead and they asked her, hey, why don't you go ahead and run? It it was one of the most brilliant political coups in the short history of the party. Uh, They adopted her, uh, and although she was way down on the list of candidates, she received enough personal uh, preferences, uh, 20,000, and that's second only to the party leader itself. And she was swept into parliament and into history. Uh, you know, she, she is proud of what she achieved in Parliament. Uh, I was in Parliament from uh, 1987 to 1992, and I fought for sexual freedom, uh, the fight against every form of censorship for sex inside prison, and sexual information in schools, for education about AIDS, In other words, she began to take herself seriously, and uh, she had lived a life which, in uh, any other age, would have probably, you know, been disgraceful. But she uh, committed, uh, she had committed every sort of gross act, and this came later. She was doing this stuff while she was in Parliament.
2: Uh, Like Like she has that angelic look and that that innocent way of of carrying yourself you know goes a long
3: way oh yeah i mean uh, like just go ahead and google siculina with a horse and 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 you'll see that this stuff was going on uh while she was while she was working and and you know fighting for all these things she believed in but but the radical party i think it made sense uh that she was going to be a missionary for a new society but uh even after a while uh the Radical Party kind of got uh, a little bit tired of her, you know. For the Radical Party, she was a living, grinning stunt who was who put the party on the map. Okay, that's why they put her there.
0: Yeah,
2: and then they probably wanted her to go away after a
3: while. <laughs> but after five years, it was quite enough. And in 1992, she tried to make it on her own, and she formed a party, a new party called the Party of Love, with an old photographer and. Uh, Uh, Moana Posey another one of of Italy's uh, pretty famous porn stars but uh, she didn't win Um, and uh, it came uh, to nothing after that Uh, she got married, she had a kid and for 14 years she was involved in a uh, fight over over who was going to get her child as, as she divorced her husband and uh, that you know that that was her claim to fame she made movies so with uh ron jeremy and john holmes and john holmes actually uh made a movie with her while he was hiv positive and didn't yep. tell her which is kind of a shitty thing you know for
2: he, he, i guess he was prone to do that or not well, do
3: that yeah, he was prone to do that he didn't want to lose any money but uh an interesting an interesting actress um I, I didn't I did not enjoy the movie. It was only 40 minutes long. Uh, she also had a singing career. I mean she's a rena- she's a Renaissance Italian uh, woman uh, Although a lot of her songs were were they're up,
2: pretty much stunt songs you yeah, know pretty they're, they're pretty songs. much sort of you yeah. know
3: explicit lyrics very
2: uh, much like some of the uh, if you want to go back to I don't remember which episode of Eat It and Beat It was where we were doing the porn songs uh, but it, her so, her music is very reminiscent of that just like a sort of very simple basic disco something going on
3: Yeah. Well, and the most then just simple
2: things sung or spoken over top of it
3: her most famous song was uh, "Muscolo Russo," which is uh, which basically means uh, "the dick" in Italian. And it, because of the profanity, of the song it it couldn't be released in Italy, but it became a hit in other countries, especially France. <laughs> and the song uh, gained popularity in the internet era, and uh, she used it in a lot of her movies. Uh, as as background uh, music, um, and you know she was, and all this time she was she was uh, one of the darlings of Italian TV because you never knew what she was going to do. She would be just as likely to 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 take her 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 top off and and show everybody what she, what had what she had going on, but just an interesting interesting character. Uh, and and I have always you know I like you said I had heard that there was. I remember when she had gotten elected to Parliament, and I was like, wow, well, good for her, good for her. But I, I, I kind of get the feeling after studying, after doing some, uh, some research on her, that she may just have gotten a little bit used by yes. the party. And when they were done with her, they, they probably didn't, uh, they, 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 didn't, uh, they, didn't want to keep her around anymore. And so they they got what
2: they wanted. They got what they wanted out of her. I I obviously would have to like maybe like find a more you know like a, a really well written biography of her. But just from piecing together the the story of her career, it seemed like there was a lot of um, you know there there was a lot of behind the scenes Sven Galli's gra- you know grabbing onto her and and and. Uh, moving her in directions, you know? And and not to the point of where I'd say she was being, like, you, you know, manipulated and abused at all because it seemed like she was, you know, maybe that's an aspect... <coughs> pardon, of her personality that, you know, she needs somebody to sort of organize and say, okay, we're going this way. But there always seemed to be, like, a photographer husband. You know, yeah. the sort of... um. Like the dynamic of Bo Derek, John Derek type Perfect. thing, you know, sort of thing. Except, you know, not just one guy or, or, you know, the guy who married um, uh, what's her name, the Canadian singer woman there who did the Titanic song, you know, the ma- manager manager husband, yeah, type yeah, yeah, character, and well, uh, and so I think there was a bit of that going on in her in in her uh, career for sure.
3: She's definitely outspoken. I mean, she's uh, she says, you know, I have had a very unusual relationship with sex since I was a child I was curious about it I enjoyed it it made me feel powerful uh, you know and and that's pretty much what I think every porn star my would, would say uh, in uh, if asked but you know today
2: uh, there, there's a I, certain kind of porn star that almost has a social worker gene you know like where where they go beyond like i'm i'm a i'm a actress in a porn movie to almost like the next stage is like i'm actually a sex worker and then the next one is like i'm an educator (laughs) also and a therapist you know and they uh, you know annie sprinkle is one that comes to mind i can't remember the one woman she still does she's still active and uh She's been, like, a porn actress since the 80s. She has blonde hair. I can't remember her name for the life of me. But she does a lot of, like, you know, she's she's educated and well-spoken. So if she goes on a talk show, you know, she will she will educate you about condoms, you know.
3: Yeah, and, and she, uh, she got and a taste for being in the government. She went back to Hungary and tried to, to get elected for the parliament, uh, to the Hungarian parliament. Well, she, she didn't win. But she got, she got a taste for it. Maybe she thought that she could actually. Uh, uh,
2: she's probably better off not getting into the Hungarian parliament.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you, know, she, uh, you know, from the time I was an adolescent, I, was, I realized that I was so sexy that every man wanted only and immediately to possess me without sentiment, just out of libido. And I don't regret any of it. You see, the character of Chichulina, both naive and malicious, was not an act. It was really me. I was a spontaneous girl who liked to have sex, to show off eroticism, and to shock the prudish. And you know, she did by taking her top off on Lindsay's making speeches. And and I like to put on shows to excite people, to make them smile. Making a porno film was good work, and I'm not afraid to say that many times on the set I enjoyed myself. She regretted none of it, but at some times she seemed to regret the whole thing. I repeat, I regret nothing, but I believe I was never loved, she said. And here comes to the part uh, that you find a lot of uh, porno stars come as they get older. You know, uh, she goes on to say... That I would have liked to have been a wife who had been married to the same man for 30 years, she said wistfully. had lots of children and grandchildren around me. Instead, I'm a woman alone. I did what I did. I'm happy about it. But all the men around me exploited my sexy nature to take me to bed or to make money, as if sexual uh, libertarianism inevitably uh, impiled the absence of love and sensitivity. I'm a very romantic person, but nobody ever realized it. And you can kind of get that from that movie that that you know the soft porn movie that that we that we watched. Uh, in mm-hmm. it, she if she maybe if she hadn't gotten any further from there, but I'm afraid it, it's going to be tough to come back from a from a movie where you have three dudes peeing on your face. That <laughs> you're you're kind of going to lose some of your credibility i think you're gonna to have to work real hard real hard
2: i guess it well i don't know i don't know if the european um standards on face peeing are the same as our <laughs> our, our standards on face peeing here it's a study that it's a study that should be done
3: Yeah, we might be able to do it you know Hmm. But uh, I'm 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 glad I'm glad that you picked her, and and uh, it was definitely. I I don't know if I will look up any of her other. I would like to see if there's any footage of her speaking in Parliament. Uh, I couldn't find any. <laughs> nothing like that. But but yeah, it, she she seems like someone that that later in life maybe thought that. That she could do some good, but I'm afraid I believe that she just got she just got used by by uh, by almost everybody that uh, that she came across, which is it's kind of sad. But that's the story of a lot of erotic actresses, you know. I I think with her,
2: she was intelligent and independent enough that um you know it was sort of uh, that. St- I don't want to call it symbiotic relationship but you know, you know it, it's a relationship that often comes from like say the porn world or something of of mutual using. <laughs> you know, she was using them to Further her career, and they were using her to get sex yeah. and to, to make
3: some money. Yeah, yeah. What's that? What's that fish that 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 uh, sticks onto the bottom of the shark? A remora. <laughs> yes, she, she's in a remora, a very foxy remora. With yeah, with, you see, that's well, the thing though.
2: I, I I put the Sivengalis as the remoras in 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 this world, you know. Although I'm sure they thought she was the one leeching onto them, but. I don't know their names, you know, and they're in the past. She's 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 still there in the spotlight. She was even there in the, you know, the spotlight before them. And, and they came and helped her along and maybe gave her direction and got her, you know, hooked her up with stuff. But then on to the next one. On and to she's the next... been in the spotlight from whenever she started, so... I think she's the shark.
3: Yeah, on to the next dirty stuffed animal that she can carry around. Yeah, which is uh, another little odd thing about that. I can see the director. Look, uh, you're a beautiful girl, but uh, you're gonna need to carry this dirty uh, blue bunny around. All right, they just hold it at it. Just hold it. And, These uh, are the keep... days
2: before Febreze.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> next year it was. I don't know if you caught if you how much of it uh, of you you were able to to watch, but, but every, almost every scene had, uh, had some filthy stuffed animal with it, which is, uh, you know, some guy's, uh, desire is, uh, director Oriol uh, whatever, you People know? People
2: would have paid big money for those filthy stuffed animals. Oh, they would I... probably they probably would have steeped them in hot water and drank the water like tea.
3: Oh, absolutely. Oh god. Can you imagine? <laughs> Did it
2: spill I it know
3: spill? I would've. <laughs> well, guess what's going on eBay tonight trying to find <laughs> animals. But oh, shit,
2: I'm going to start getting stuffed animals and just, like, mat them up and then put them up as, as ex-Cityelina.
3: Yeah, how good. yeah. well, she also carried around Victorian creepy dolls, if you really want to go... We, we can go into further of this stuff. But that might have been her thing, but, you know... She was an artiste, an artiste, I guess, in her day and and time. But uh, I, I wish I would have looked into a... Did you look into a little bit more of what she was doing now? Uh I, it
2: seems like she's just sort of living a life, and then has a website where you can buy stuff from. You know, well, she,
3: she was originally she was uh, eventually awarded custody of her child, and uh, she does her best to try and steer her her son away from her past life, and uh, and doesn't talk about it with him. Uh, although he does know, and sometimes friends do ask about, you know, your mother. But uh,
2: she does have a website.
3: <laughs> I, yeah, not. You can't really. <laughs> well, almost everyone does have a website. What else are you gonna do? I mean, she must have books out. She there. has a
2: website where you can buy her porn movies from. I, uh, maybe I, she I has I should... an Etsy.
3: Maybe she has an Etsy site, and we can get some of those stuffed animals. Ooh. Yeah, and they're, they're like piss pot
2: see but i i i don't think yeah i don't I, like like you said with with her son and stuff i don't like she could be she could be doing like working like twitter or something you know if she really wanted to like be out and about these days you know there's any other ways i it, it, uh, for her website gave very much gave me the feeling of like yeah i'm in retirement you know but i i sure like the, the income
3: <laughs> i did, I did And hey a...
2: what i mean if you've built your whole life doing all that stuff god bless you sell it on the internet for the rest of your hey, life you know
3: so, Absolutely man hey i did look at the uh, at her facebook page she is on facebook you can friend her on facebook uh, although she doesn't have too many i didn't see any pictures of her recently most of the pictures yeah, are taken in the uh, yeah. yeah. So I would be curious to see what she, how she's she's aging. She weighs three hundred
2: and fifty pounds now, and she's just yeah. like, screw it, I'm happy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and and you know, she's probably. I would like to see a picture of her, a la ET, with a bunch of stuffed animals around her, and she's hiding in a closet. You oh, know, that's
2: a good idea. Yeah,
3: so they just just work on the stuffed animal thing. But if you're interested in finding out more about her, go ahead and look up uh, Chicholina Amore Mio. It's, uh, it's on YouTube. It's not a long film, but it will get... It's part of uh, Beat It's dance of uh, pornography from around the world.
2: Right. And like you could, you could go to Wikipedia and get the facts or you could go to Pornhub and get the get the figures. <laughs>
3: yeah, or just go to the bathroom and get the lotion. It doesn't matter. Well, either way, you're going to go get the lotion. Yeah, forget it. Yeah, As a matter of fact, I better crack open some now because uh, I uh, that, that little flower, uh, pixie rain of flowers that she always had in her hair, that was her trademark. Oh, uh, I hear that beep. Yeah, beep. Yeah.
2: That that beep, that beeping noise. That's the sound of the truck pulling up right now. That that refills my fifty-gallon lotion drum that I've got mounted <laughs> to the side of the house.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was wondering what that second tap was on your sink. Like, you know? For God's sakes, I didn't know. I I didn't know Jurgens actually delivered like the uh, Alhambra water bottle man.
2: It was a little problem at first with pressure. There was too much pressure, and it caused problems. But we've got that all straightened out.
3: Ah, that's one good thing about hotel rooms—they give you a small bottle, a little towel. You use it. You just drop it on the floor for I'll Let it pick up in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. On that note, I I I... <laughs> that, I was just
2: that 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 goes right to one of my favorite Anne Magnusson quotes.
3: Oh, hit! What is
2: it? Don't worry about the sheets. The maid'll clean it up in the morning.
3: <laughs> she won't be a chicholina, but you know, throw five bucks on the bed. Just something. Uh, de- de- depending on on how much of a mess you made or how much of her movies you made. They're 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 pleasant they're pleasant little movies at least this one was it, it's nothing that uh, that that's going to shock and offend you I, I would no, say it's
2: I, very it's it reminds me of like maybe like Seika you know from that time period that mm, sort of yeah
3: it's nothing that's going to shock and offend you it's probably the I would say it's probably the uh, the least porniest the softest porn that we may have done as far as movies. On, on the show, but but I'm sure that you are going to come up with something uh, shocking for for our our next episode. I have all the faith in the world in you as your Padawan, and, it, it, and I, I just can't wait. I will bring the shock and awe. <laughs> and, and with that, I guess we will say as uh, as the Italians uh, say uh Chi Minga! I'm not sure how you say goodbye in Polish, but but, uh, we'll just go with Arrivederci, right? Arrivederci, Roma. (sighs) Tomatoes. Yeah, and remember, sleep on your back tonight, guys. It'll make everything a lot easier for you. ¡Mario!